Welcome back to the Last Prepper Standing Podcast. I wanted to say a little bit before this episode kicks off that uh, Anthony from Bibles and Barbells and Pray, Prep, and Pump Iron on Instagram. I mean, he's probably, and you're going to hear it in this podcast, he's probably one of the people I've followed the longest on YouTube and who's really influenced by prepping. It's a shame that in this podcast there's some kind of computer gremlins and the connection was a little iffy here and there. Um, if you could bear through that, it's not at, it's not that bad. I'm probably making it sound worse than it really is. But I just wanted to give you a heads up before you dive into the episode and I appreciate all the comments, the comment uh, that I'm getting on Instagram at Last Prepper Standing, American Prepper Group, and the Prepper Syndicate. Uh, the Oasis Project is working, or the Oasis Network is working great right now. We're running a discount on it for the Preparedness Month. You can find that in the Instagram stories, and I encourage you to check that out. But I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's a very special episode to me, and there is some gremlins in it, but bear with it because I totally think this conversation is worth listening to. All right, welcome back to the Last Prepper Standing Podcast. Today with me, I have a very special guest. I'm actually probably one of the more excited about this guest because I've been following him for a long time on YouTube. On YouTube, it's Pray and Pump Iron, uh, or it's uh, Bibles and Barbells, I'm sorry. On Instagram, it's Pray and Pump Iron. But Anthony, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And Instagram, it's Pray, Prep, Pump Iron. Pray prep pump iron. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Not it's a uh, man. I found you really close to when I first started. Um, not only waking up, but started prepping on mm-hmm. on um, YouTube, and I learned a lot from you over the years. And then the algorithm beast just kind of comes along, and then a few years later, I come back. I found your channel again. I was like, man, how does that? How did? because you know you just you subscribe you hit the icon and then they still like i think you probably have one of the most underrated channels there is out there i I know my channel gets i've had some people talk to me and say my channel is very heavily uh blocked or forced from I, I don't get many, I don't get much growth. Let's put it that way. Late, the last couple of years. Um, and a lot of people say they've been un, unsubscribed or they don't get the, the bell. Icon. That's just, I guess, uh, they don't like what you say. Yeah. Now, what do you just think one- attributes to that? Your, your political views or sharing, sharing uh, the message of, of our Lord and Savior? <laughs> uh, all of the above. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. I don't know what happened there. So the the last thing we were saying, I'll just I could cut this front part out. You kind of keep that YouTube more like a personal vlog. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That now that's um that's one thing that like I was saying I've modeled my channel after because I think that I, it's it's something that I think as my kids as they get older they might be able to appreciate a little bit later some of the decisions I made in terms of the prep we're looking out for and then hopefully leave them a, a lasting memory to go back to because I think it's going to be great for your family to be able to go back and they have you sharing scriptures with them talking about you know just living your life and showing the kind of the like you said you couldn't remember or going back and remembering your old house and stuff I think that's such a smart way to do it because there's well we don't do diaries most people don't do diaries anymore so to have that video vlog is hello 
Hey, maybe the third time's the charm. I don't know what's going on. Uh, well, you know what? I, I moved also, so I don't know if it's my end or what. Uh uh. No worries. Well, this is uh this is them back into kind of where we were and then we'll go from there. But um yeah, all that aside about the about the all that, what really kind of got you into prepping itself? Oh uh, well, I'd be giving my age away now. Um <laughs> I I actually prepped for not not remember the i don't know if you remember the year when the year 2000 changed over the y2k y2k yeah i actually we were actually living in pittsburgh at that point and uh i definitely did a lot of uh getting ready for that because i didn't i was i was hearing all kinds of things were going to happen uh so so the year 1999 but then i, I would say more fully into prepping in 2008 when um barack obama became president right basically i started and we were in south florida at that point so i was already prepping for hurricanes and stuff like that living in miami fort lauderdale area and um i remember when barack obama became president i just didn't get a good feeling on the the way the nation was going to start turning so i began a little bit more deeper into it. And that's when towards the end of 2008, I started my YouTube channel and it kind of morphed into what it is today. See, now that's right. When I, I found your channel, I think pretty early on, cause that's mm -hmm. right. When I started getting a little bit more serious, I, I always say that, you know, nine 11 woke me up. Right. I was, I was exposed to prepping during Y2K. And I remember thinking that, you know, some of the guys around me were a little crazy and I don't think it's going to happen. And then, of course, you know, some stuff happened. I think a lot of people don't realize that there were some things that happened at Y2K. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't the cataclysmic event that people thought it would be. So right. a lot of people kind of, you know, just like anything, they lose their their interest or, you know, they may, might feel even a little bit of shame to keep going. So I think you right. lost a lot of people then. Um, and I remember, you know, a little bit before that time, there was a lot of people war warning about the UN and the New World Order takeover. Mm -hmm. So I had like a little bit of exposure before then, but it all kind of it kind of all sunk in when those towers went down. And I think a lot of what we're seeing seeing started then, and that's when I really kind of started digging into the prepping, and it helped me survive kind of that financial crisis that came along with the Obama presidency too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, nine eleven definitely was like a a big wake up call for the country, and it, and it, our country changed overnight from that. But when um, I remember when um, Barack Obama became president, I was really started really getting concerned about the way the the way I thought the country would be headed, and I was right. So. Yeah, the people who warned were right. And I think one of the things I notice now is people warn of the, the cult of personality with Trump and how, how did it get so far and how did it get so bad? I mean, it really kind of started that cult of personality with these these political figures with Obama. Yeah, I mean, he was the last person to be packing out stadiums yep. just like Trump does. And, it, yep. and I think that's when the real kind of divide started. It was just real soft. Right. You know what I mean? It was real soft. It wasn't as uh, violent as it is now. I don't think it was as as kind of that was their guy, you know, so they didn't make him seem so evil. They tried to give him the whole pop culture vibe to it. Right. And that's just it's been downhill ever since, man. It's, it's well, getting really weird, too. Well, living in South Florida, I was exposed while Obama was president. 
I used to go to these rallies in downtown Fort Lauderdale. It was like a conservative rally and all that kind of thing down at the uh, federal building. And um, one day we were there. Uh, it was, um, I forget who the news, it was a famous news person in Florida that was hosting it. It was a female lady. And um, you remember Alan West? Yes. Alan West was an elected, he was not an elected official then. He did become congressman, I think, several years after that. But he came to the event. So I, he came on his motorcycle. I was there. There was a lot of Jewish people there because it was like stand for Israel type thing. Mm-hmm. And that day, we were, there was about, on our side of the street, I would say, I have it on a video. I could send it to you. About 40 or 50 people. And then all of a sudden on the other side of the street, uh, within not too, not too long of a period of time, maybe two, three, four hundred um, Muslim, I guess, people showed up, Palestinians, uh, imams came out and they started chanting death to Israel. And it started to get, we started to get worried enough where I was going up to the police officers and asking them to call for backup because there weren't enough police officers there. And I knew something was going to happen. And lo and behold, it, they came charging across the street, like to kill us almost. Oh my goodness. Uh, I remember Alan West, he ran right head for head first into them and met them in the middle of the road in Fort Lauderdale head on. I mean, he didn't hesitate for one minute. And from then on, I was like, this guy's the real deal here. Um, I remember just seeing him there. Uh, event, it didn't get violent, but it, it was really, uh, I have the, I have a video you could watch on it. And Yeah, I would, I would love to see that. Yeah. Alan West was running, I think it was for something local here in Texas, or it was for something national. And, uh, or he was talking here in Texas. It was real recent. But um, I've always never, I never knew how to feel about him. Just well, because he became, he's in, he became a congressman. When I was in Florida and then he, I think he, he served like the two year term and then they kind of ran him out. But yeah. He, so then he, he's one of the, he's not as in the club as he may seem to be there. No, he got, he got elected, but he didn't, he didn't want to drink any Kool-Aid. So <laughs> right. he was in and out, I guess, which is so good. He is one of the, he is one of the good guys. Yeah. I've always, I mean, always I, been I, a I bit like on the fence. From, from that day on, I mean, I liked his, what he knows about history and he was straightforward and, yeah, and that's a that's a real good sign is when they're actually out there. They're not, you know, right. two two different uh, events away telling you how you should act at your event as they just let you know leave people in jail and stuff. Yeah, and he he didn't have any bodyguards with him, or he just ran in the middle of the street and met like two hundred people head on. That that's pretty intense stuff, man. Did you yeah. get to, did you go to any of the Trump rallies? I didn't go to any Trump rallies. I for some reason I got a. Over the years, I get a bad taste in my mouth going to rally, like pep rallies. Right. Um, I think it's one way they, they flush people out and they find out who you are. Um, yeah. I don't trust going to rallies. And after seeing what when Trump was running for office, what they were doing to his supporters uh, and the police weren't doing anything, that, that turned me off even more to to attending any rallies that for my own safety. And, you know, I would never take members of my family either. Right. I made the, I made kind of what in hindsight was a poor choice to go, to go see him when he was in Dallas. Uh It was like a year to the day um, from when he first announced. 
So right. it was right in that in that timeline. And I got there super early because I wanted to get a good seat and actually got right up front, front row, standing room only. So I, I was him on the podium about six feet and then us front row right there it was pretty that was pretty cool but the stuff beforehand they have paid agitators there i know that for a fact now i saw it firsthand i went to um i went there was a little oh, mini market within in walking distance mm-hmm. and i went there to go get a couple gatorades it's a hot texas day a little bit of snacks because i know i'm got here way early i'm going to be waiting in line and they asked me to interview i said no i look around it's a but it's a bunch of you know kind of antifa looking people sitting there doing a little interview filling out some stuff and i I took really good mental note of who was there i didn't want to whip out my camera and start taking pictures and Mm. and kind of blow up the whole thing but you know i took a good mental note of what those people look like they wear some pretty distinctive stuff so i'm like i'm gonna look for that later and um we come out of that come out of that venue and there are a lot of those people were at the very front agitating in a major way. Right. And they were docile. Yeah. They were calm just hours before and they were waiting for you to come out of that venue and get crazy, which was, was pretty <laughs> nerve wracking because I, I was in and around the San Jose area when they had the Trump uh, rally riots there. If no one's ever seen that, you could YouTube that San Jose Trump rally riots. It's, I believe that's the one where that lady got hit with the eggs. I don't know if you remember that, where she's standing in front of the hotel and they just started hitting her with eggs and stuff. It got pretty bad, but those are, those are definitely something I'm never going to be going to again. And that's kind of sad because you got to kind of get out in numbers sometimes to show the support, but you're right. It's just safety wise. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I I just, after going through what I did in Florida, I I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to put myself out there, but I mean, a lot of people I know went to his rallies. My brother, uh, my brother uh, went with his wife to one in North Carolina uh, that they held here. But, uh, and I could have went to to several, but I I just chose not to. Yeah. Just kind of more for safety concerns. I'm sure too. That's like, that's really what I was thinking. Now I think me and you, like I, I admire your channel so much one. Cause I think there's so many things that we have in common. It's kind of crazy to see, but you're kind of getting off of that whole left, right paradigm right now too. And I'm having, I'm going through a little bit of a process with that. I mean, wh- what would you tell people right now who are, who are kind of thinking about voting for Trump again, or, or what would you say to people just, where do you stand? I mean, I, I don't want to disappoint anyone as far as I know we have a so-called free country where we could vote and we, think that our vote counts uh, and, it, and it may on certain elections like on the state and local level maybe um, I just don't think that I think presidents are selected not elected and um, I'm just pulling away from getting involved in the whole left right paradigm I was always conservative <clears throat> I never I mean I supported like Bush and you know, whoever was running for Republican side and Trump, I thought in the beginning was going to be, Hey, this guy's a businessman. He could make some good changes. So I threw support. I did support him because I was tired of what was in office for eight years and the prospects of Hillary Clinton getting in. It was like, Oh my goodness. (laughs) So Trump seemed like the person, but then I gave him an opportunity and for four years, and I mean, he I'm not saying he didn't do some good while he was in office, but I don't think that 
he did as much as people expected as far as going after the swamp, so to say. Um, and I don't think the swamp can be drained is what I'm really trying to say. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you can either. <laughs> so. I think, I think, you know, you had, he had four years and then, and then two years, you know, with the, the house and all that on his side and they didn't get much done. And, and they, you know, and it, basically, and, <laughs> yeah. And as you know, I'm, I'm part Mexican and, you know, I get a lot of heat for this, but I really like the main thing I was voting for was the border. And I just, I so thought that was such an important issue because I see it in my industry. I see it around a a lot, but I mean, there's so many jobs that um, are being taken plus Mm -hmm. just the drain on the system in general Mm -hmm. from the, the money that we spend on taking care of all of that, that could be spent on like, you know, the veterans and all that stuff. That was kind of my one issue and just nothing really got done. He folded, right. he, he folded on that. You know, I got my uh, Hillary for prison shirt. That never happened. Right. I'm just, I'm, I'm just well, kind I of, mean, uh... if you, if you look, if you do some research, you could see, I think after the second debate uh, where he said he was going to put Hillary in jail, I think it was that one. They, they went out together to like a, some kind of fundraiser and they both, like had dinner and spoke and, you know, so, so what I'm trying to say is they put on a front, a lot of these politicians, but behind the scenes, they're kind of all on the same page, if you will. Right. It's, it's, it's so like the WWE playbook. Right. They give you two things to choose from and that, and that these people that control the world just keep you in a box. Basically I'm, right. I'm this, I'm right. I'm left. No, I'm this time around. I'm fully independent and I don't want no part of these people. Right. I think it comes down <laughs> to a certain point where you're going to be, you know, a little morally, ob- you know, you're going to have to ask, answer some moral questions for continuing to vote a certain way. If nothing right. changes, I, you I'm know, worse and worse morally. Right. And it's, it's, I can't No, no, but Republicans aren't helping all they, all they do is talk. I mean, they took over even when Obama was in office, they controlled, for some time they could have made a lot more uh, a lot more changes and they didn't so basically they're all talk in my yeah and i I think i forgot who said it but i've really (laughs) been reflecting on it a lot lately it said that you know the problems the answers to the problems are so simple the fact that they're not done just proves that there's an evil agenda and i and i think that's what i think that's really what the truth is is they just want people to be subjugated to them and just be tax tax cows in the long run right. and and we're seeing more and more of like i think it's just there's an unveiling of that they they don't really care anymore if you feel like you have freedom or not because now they're telling us you you're going to eat bugs and you're going to own nothing right and, <laughs> just and, get... and and if if trump does decide to run the next time around um i think that those that support him are going to be targeted in some way, shape or form. So uh, that's another reason why I'm steering clear of supporting anybody. Right. That, that, and that was made very clear on that speech the other night. Did you, did you watch that from Biden? I didn't watch it live. I don't watch, I never watched really Obama live. I watched like it afterwards. Um, yeah. I saw what he, uh, before he gave that speech, I was telling people, what was going to happen. And lo and behold, he came and gave the speech. I said, you're going to be targeted. And then a couple of days after I said it to my family members, he gave that speech and I said, see what I told you. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I said, they're they're, they're planning. 
really good. Yeah. So we uh, we were joking. Free. One of my friends and I we were joking the other day about we might go register as uh, as Democrats now to get all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. A little level of a hop sack in there. Right. But yeah. That is in terms of the prepping and, and what what are you kind of prepping for oh, right God. now? Is it? I I never really I prep in cycle, so I look at what is going on in the world. Of course, we can't control too much of that. I look what's going on in the nation. I look what's going on like locally. If you listen to like Southern Prepper One, he does the boots on the ground kind of thing every day, where he talks about shortages around the country that people are writing in. So it's just mm-hmm. the basics. I'm making sure I have, you know the basics, water, food, uh, medical, uh, everyone has different situations. If you know, my wife was, has been sick for since 2015, she had a brain tumor. Then last year she got COVID. Uh, she's had brain surgery. She's had COVID. She almost died in, in the hospital last September. We're coming up on a year. So she needs certain medications. And so not everybody can pick up a bug out bag and kind of run from point A to point B, it's depending on your situation. So I have to prep around what hand I've been dealt family wise. What I mean, right? Yeah, the, but and, you know, I think uh, I <laughs> think COVID kind of kind of ruined the myth of bugging out a little bit too, because we all had to bug in whether we liked it or not. Right. In, in many cases, and you know, if you didn't have a good bug in plan and you you focused a lot of time on bugging out. You, you might have been kind of behind the eight ball for a year to two years, depending, you know, on where you lived. Right. I got, so, I got oh, yeah. really oh, good. So no, it's the, it, it, I still do the basics, food, water, shelter, uh, self-defense, um, you know, just the basic, the basic things, make sure I have uh, some kind of savings, a place, a, 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 a point B meetup places, as you know, I don't know if you know, my brother is lives down here near me. Uh, my mom and dad live down here. So I do have a little bit of a network here. I have a, a few friends. But I think one of the biggest things that I've had an issue with is kind of networking with like-minded people. Right. You, um, that That's kind of hasn't worked too good for me. Like, you know how some people have a tribe or whatever the they want to call it. I do in a, in a way, but it's not huge. Right. It's a um, very difficult thing to do. And I think it's just a, kind of a sign of our times. People are very right. untrusting of other people. And right. that's what I preach. I preach, you know, four different pillars of prepping. And one of them is, is your network and your community. Right. And I think a lot of that really just starts with your family and making sure that your yeah. family's all dialed in because there's a lot that you could do if just you have three or four, like, you know, you, your brother and your dad, there's a lot of work. I'm sure you guys could do just you guys, you know, it's enough to right. run overnight security. That's enough to pull teams yeah. to go get water or whatever you need. I think people, um, you know, it's kind of weird. It's, it's tough to have some of these prepping conversations with your family versus, you know, try to look for outside help. But I'm a big, big advocate in just really taking care of your family family network first and then expanding from there right i mean i have family network and because i'm from new york um so a lot of my family is still living up in that area like cousins and you know aunts and uncles and stuff and i 
I talked to several of them via, we have like a, like an email, like a, uh, a chat going. Right. And I give them scenarios and stuff like that. A lot of them, I mean, they take it serious, but they, they kind of think I'm a little crazy too. <laughs> Tell them, listen. Very relatable. Back up. What are you going to do? Yep. And that, and that's, and that's all we could do really is sound the alarm. Everybody's going to be, you know, in one way or another left to their own devices, but we'll, we'll have a clear conscience of at least we warned you. you oh, yeah. and, I, and I practice on them. So, <laughs> right. But so, on them. so you're kind of, you're kind of like me. You just, you're a year round lifestyle prepper. It, it, it's what we do. Um, it's part of, part of our DNA is to be ready. Um, what would you suggest to somebody who's just kind of getting into this, what would you say would be the number one thing you would want them to take into consideration as they start their journey of prepping? So, so in other words, if they're decided that they're going to move forward and start prepping. Yeah. Day one prepper. Again, the basics, what the stuff do you eat and drink? And if you have kids, give your kids, uh, is your shelter in place? You know, is your house secure or your apartment dwelling, um, food, water, medical, does anyone in your family have, issues you know diabetic whatever make sure you have plenty of backup of those items along with a way to defend it and to communicate so just the basics like you you were talking the four pillars of prepping just start small and just you'd be surprised every time you go to the store and you buy a little bit of extra here and there um, of course if you have extra money I would highly recommend you pulling some and investing it in your preps, whatever you're assessed that you're short on. If you're short on self-defense items, you need to prep shore that up. If you're short on water filtration, you need to invest money and buy water filtration without water. You're not doing anything really. <laughs> right. And, and that's, you know, that's something that, I've kind of changed my mind on, I used to advocate people having about two to three months worth of bills, like just kind of squirreled away. I'm at the point where, I mean, you almost might want to have two or three months worth of food on hand because the way this inflation's going, the right. supply chain uh, dilemmas and everything. I mean, that, that cash is just, I mean, it's, it's very close to just going complete fiat currency, completely devalued overnight. And you're going to be left holding just funny money. Right. And that's why if you invest in tangible goods and even a little bit of extra things, like let's say you buy a water filtration system and you have a backup, well, you might want to buy several like life straws or something that you could use to barter with or help a neighbor or something like that, or buy some pool shock. You know, one little pack of pool shock on the right percentage can help your whole community purify and make liquid bleach to purify hundreds of thousands of gallons of water. Yeah, and ha it's that's funny you say that because one of uh one of the plans we moved from California to Texas and one of the big things I was happy about is we got a house with a, a pool. So I right. have a lot of water right here that I could drink. It fills up on its own, but um maintaining that pool like that pool shock is was actually very hard to find. You don't hear that a lot, like in the media when they're talking about shortages and stuff, because right. it doesn't affect everybody. Mm -hmm. But the prices on it, man, it used to be a couple bucks. It's about seven dollars now. To yeah, get I think one it was little bag four, of shock. Four bucks a bag when I was in Florida. 
Yeah, it's just that's one of those things where they're just they're bleeding any savings from people. I don't know if um do you invest in silver and gold? I do. I have uh I've always been like a coin collector. I have family members that were, so I always like kind of quote unquote collected. But I did, you know, I do believe in having some tangible assets um in case like you say the dollar goes at some point it will tank the dollar and we will be changing to digital money. That's a given fact. It's just a matter of when and the catalyst that's going to make that happen. So, you know, I honestly think the catalyst is just kind of some, some, some of the older generation aging out and mm -hmm. then getting this younger generation that's brought up in it. So there's no huge pushback. Like it's just nothing. It just, it'll just happen. I mean, my kids, I guess, millennials, if you will, they rarely carry cash. You know, I have kids th in the early thirties and low thirties and they don't carry cash. They, they just carry their card. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're already they like don't. a lot of us are already on that digital currency system and don't yeah. even know it. Right. But the digital is a little bit different because it's going to be issued by the government. Yeah. The straight, the straight, be, uh, instead of Bitcoin and stuff, it's going to be just the, the crypto right. through there. It'll be fully tracked. It'll be like, uh, like a United States dollar digital. And yeah, that's what I think is going to happen too. And I think that's uh, well, I was going to say with the silver, and that kind of leads into this too. The silver market's been really weird, and it's because a lot of people who I think prepped and prepared for this have been selling off to com combat the inflation. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to really hang on to this silver once I'm just trying to make it through this without having to, I mean, there's been moments and stuff where I've wanted to sell the silver just to kind of help out with the, the current financial situation. But I think those of us who could not be tempted and make it through that process, are going to be very happy. We kept the silver in the long run. Cause I think one of the things they're going to do is once they do that digital currency is they're going to get people to start turning in their physical currency as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Yep. And they're going to, they're going to offer you some incentives. I figure I might let them incentivize me with their digital currency. If it means <laughs> I can pay off my house, if I'm just like, okay, here you go. Here's a little bit of silver. I'm not telling, this is all I got. I'm not going to tell but, you but really what I got. <laughs> but remember they said you're going to own nothing and be happy. So keep that. Yes, <laughs> that that's true. And I, you know, I think that's what the IRS agents are about. Yeah. Well, yeah, we could have a whole nother phone call about that. Yeah, that, I think that's what they're going to do in the long run is just they're going to raise these taxes so high that you can't pay them. And then they need an enforcement wing to come get your stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's just weird, weird times. But yep. yeah, the basics, the basics is that's and even taking any extra funds you have now and investing that as a, as a prepper. If you're just starting out, that's exactly what I would suggest, too. Now, what about for somebody who, who's been doing this since Y2K? You got any <laughs> like advice for them? Well, yeah, I mean, by this time, you should be, if you're prepping that long, you should have your cycles in place. In other words, I cycle my preps. I go from communications to wa water to shelter to self-defense. I'm constantly like going in like a like a clock, you know, like a circle. Mm -hmm. looking. I'm not sure what happened. Yeah. So, how so, much of a seasoned prepper did you get? <laughs> I got you. Uh, you cycle through. You go through um, whether it's communication, self defense, and then it ghosted. Yeah. Um, food, water, shelter, 
uh, all your like bug out bags or whatever you want to call them, emergency bags, get home bags, all that stuff. If you have them has to be monitored and, you know, maintained. So hopefully season preppers are still doing that and they're not getting complacent. And then also, you know, look at, analyze your plans. What's your plans if this, if we get some type of uh, riots or people going around doing nefarious things? Um, monitoring that. Right. And I would say, you know, having the plans is something I have plans in my head, but I don't like have them detailed out. Now, do you write them out or, or is it just stuff that you've kind of game plan in your head? I did. I do have a communications plan written out. So if something did happen, I could hand out radios, a copy of the plan, the channels we're going to be on, when and how we're going to communicate. Because um, you may have neighbors that you, you know, trusted neighbors that you may be relying on in an emergency that you may have to bring in. You're not going to have a choice. Right. It comes down to when society collapses, there's no way around. You're going to have to let, it's going to be harder afterwards, but there's going to be, you have to have some type of community. You can't yeah. do it by yourself. And so it's better the a community with some people maybe, maybe you know versus the people you just met at the FEMA camp. Right, so. exactly. <laughs> That's uh, a, lot how- of, a lot of the season preppers have a lot of that. I don't think anybody has everything figured out because you could be a seasoned prepper living on a farm in the middle of nowhere with animals and, and crops and stuff like that, thinking you're safe. And that's the first place everyone's going to come and rob. Right. Cause you got and food really- and you're isolated and they could isolate you. And the government might even want to come get you cause they want everybody in the suburbs. I mean, I in, the, in the cities. Yep. Yep, and that's going to happen too. We're, we're, you might we've been be talking a, a lot about that lately. You might be better off in the suburbs blending in than out in the farmlands, which, you know, people might disagree with me, but it's just a thing that I'm thinking, you know, you never know. I, th- I think that's a very real possibility. <laughs> and I think I think sometimes people in the suburbs too, they, um, they'll get a little complacent about um, what type of riots might actually happen in their neighborhood. And I, can't, that, I don't know if you remember the, during the BLM, and that kind of upscale neighborhood, the lawyer and his wife with the gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I bet nobody in that neighborhood ever thought anybody would walk into their neighborhood doing that. Right. And in my neighborhood, I feel pretty secure and pretty safe. But after watching that happen, I mean, that kind of was a game changer. And to like, okay, I got to actually right. really be serious because you never know. I don't know all my neighbors. For all I know, one of these guys is some right. someone someone on the internet who says really super racist things and BLM is targeting him. And next thing right. you know, the whole street's going to be full. Right. And you got you know, your whole community's caught up in the crossfire. Right. Or and like, uh, what, with, what do with you the... do? No, what do you do as a prepper? Do you fall back? You know, if you're threatened, you have to do something. But at the end of the day, you're going to be targeted as the bad guy. Exactly. And I think, so I think you're right with season preppers is just really making sure we're checking off this stuff. I've been saying that we need to really take action. And one of the reasons why I admire your channel too, is because you're out there taking action. I mean, I see you out there on your e-bike, you're doing your bug out bag hikes. You're obviously putting the work in the gym. You're probably, you're not, not probably 
not probably you're definitely the most fit prepper out there <laughs> i think and i think that's a shame for the whole prepping community and i don't mean this in a bad way but you know you're older than a lot of the preppers who who have any sort of platform so all those younger guys should be kind of aspiring to be more like you because i mean you got it going on man yeah, i turned 60 in april <laughs> man <laughs> I can see I got so I'm gonna be 40 in March. So I gotta get I gotta be I got 20 years to kind of look like you when I'm 60. And I gotta I gotta figure <laughs> that out. If you want whatever you're doing, just be consistent at it and don't don't just do something for a couple months and then stop. Just make it part of your life, your lifestyle. Right, man. That that's been my problem as as I've gotten older is just the right. consistency. I used to be, you know, lean, mean fighting machine doing wrestling and all this stuff. And right. You know, that lifestyle kind of burns you out a little and then you get caught up with, you know, people make their excuses. And that's all I did. I just made some excuses. And I've been to the last couple of years trying to get on that train of not making excuses and being consistent. Yeah, just just I mean, I, I see you do a lot of stuff now, like with your bike and mm-hmm. 75 hard, you know, stuff like that, where you could set a goal and, you know, just keep it. You don't have to you're not trying to be Mr. Universe or anything like that. You just want to be in good physical condition. Right. And that, you know, that's the, you mentioned the 75 hard. I I learned that about a year ago and then I kind of stayed on it, but I'm very goal focused and I Mm -hmm. need something. I mean, when I stopped wrestling, I stopped playing basketball. That's when I let it go because I didn't have any reason to be in shape. So I got to, I got to keep coming up with activities to keep me going or else I'm not going to want to do it. (laughs) Right. So even if you could, you know, I don't know if your wife does stuff with you, but, you know, do stuff with your wife if you can. My wife and I now are going, we got like a walking app, so I'm going walking with her. And we kind of like have our kids around it too. So we, my daughter will put a challenge out. How many steps could you do today? So just little stuff like that. It all adds up. Right. That's nice. Now, you don't have now to speaking, be, you know, crunching stuff in the gym all the time. Right. You have to kill yourself. <laughs> you just do do a little bit here and there and you just add that consistency to it and it'll take you a long way. Well, like what you do, what you you know, you go out for a couple mile walk with your backpack. Uh, that's that's prepping. That's what you may be on foot one day yep. walking five miles home or whatever. I get a lot of people who who ask me what they should do with their bag and what they should put in it, and I, and I've got to the point where I don't go hike with it first, and then and then you tell me because my bag has changed dramatically after like a ten mile hike with it. Right, and and again, your bag, uh, you make it plural because I have uh, different bags for different things. Like I did a video the other day where I only I work pretty close to home, so I don't carry my full size bag all the time with me. I just have a haversack with the 10 C's of survival in it and enough to get home. If I have to walk on foot, if somebody slashes my tires or the car doesn't start or something, there's an EMP or something happens and I have to walk on foot, I can get home and I got that bag and I have, you know, defense item and I have a radio and I can get home fairly quickly and I don't have to carry a huge bag. Now, when I travel farther from home, I'm going 10 miles or 20 miles then it's like a mission the mission dictates what i'm going to carry right and I, you know you may be the one who said that but that's what i where I've, the mindset i adopted with these bags is having kind of mission oriented like okay what am i doing where am i going where am i going to really be i don't need my inch bag with me when i'm four miles from my house at work <laughs> or, or let's or let's say something happens in your community and something's coming your way. Uh, we won't even say what it is. 
well, you might just want a small bag with some water in it, a patrol bag, like a small mm-hmm. patrol bag. You take a self-defense item, has a flashlight in it, some gloves, maybe a, a, a bar, uh, you know, a cliff bar or two, um, um, some water, like a, like a camelback built into it, which is what I have. You could just throw it on. It's got extra ammo in it. And you're running real light. around your you know within a mile or so from your house so you don't need a you're not going to put a 40 pound backpack on for that <laughs> right <laughs> yeah that's now if you're going with good... your wife on vacation and you're driving 100 miles from home you might want to throw a, a a bigger bag in there with a lot of stuff in it because you may need that if something happens right actually man so you were in the the miami area yeah fort lauderdale miami yeah we went there for a wedding in June and I, I bring this up cause you mentioned bringing the bag, but we had a uh, month and months of, of leeway on this wedding, probably a whole year, I think. And I had quickly Googled from, I'm on, I'm on the um, East side of Texas. I'm about an hour from the Louisiana border. Okay. And I Googled, I Googled how long from Texas to Florida. It's 10 hours. I did not Google how far from Texas to Miami, which is 14 hours. <laughs> and I just saw that one little Google and I left out my mind and then the, the border then the of day, North Florida. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so the day of, I had to kind of change my plans real quick and make sure I brought the bigger bug out bag with me, all the gear, a couple extra things. And it was just, oh, yeah. so sometimes, you know, we got to pay a little more attention to detail when we're doing our right. planning. But you did, I mean, you still, you looked at the mission and you, you knew that you needed more stuff than just a haversack. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what I was going to bring wasn't going to cut it, but right. that's a, that's a beautiful area, man. I was actually born there, but uh, we left when I was really young. So I don't really remember it, but being out there, I just, I, I don't know if where you're at right now is any better, but it didn't seem like too many places could get better than that. Yeah. I mean, as far as weather and stuff to do and stuff, we really miss Florida. I mean, North and South Carolina are, are nice, but I don't, I, I like Florida better. But, you know, the mission I was on dictated that I came up this way. So here I am. Right. And hey, that's, <laughs> that's kind of me, too. My mission I'm on dictated I get out of get out of northern California and right. get a little bit more safe haven here in uh, right. East Texas for your family. Right. And you made the right decision. I'm feeling like it. It's, it's feel like it's paid off, but How man, long? this has been this has been a super great chat. I really appreciate your time. I know we had a couple hiccups along the way, but no um, for for people like I said, you guys, he you got the one of the most underrated YouTube channels out there. Anthony does everything from gear reviews to Bible studies, gives some workout information. I think you got some of the best gear reviews out there, and and really kind of opens my eyes about not only what products I want, but what applications you're using them for, because you will show yourself using them. So for people who are listening to this podcast, it's it's going to be up on the internet for as long as the internet's up. And I'm sure you're going to be doing the YouTube channel for just as long. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, on YouTube, it's Bibles, the letter N as in Nancy. So Bibles and Barbells on YouTube. And on Instagram, it's Pray Prep pump iron awesome yeah i encourage everyone to make sure that you go follow that channel um leave a little comment there um 
Anthony's great about responding. I think that's how we even got in touch and mm -hmm. taking the time to, to reach out to people. And I appreciate all the help you've given me over the years and the motivation you give me. And I, I find that, if, you know, we can find people who um, emulate how we want to be and we can look up to those type of people. It's going to be good for all of us because there's, you know, the, the culture right now is trash and to be able right. to find people out there who you could gravitate towards and look up to, who are going to give you um, good sound information on many dis different aspects of life. You know, Anthony's your guy. And I encourage you guys to go, to go look that up and thank you again, brother, for your time. Thank you.